This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Women in Tech segment, I will be talking with Evelyn Sheehan. Evelyn currently works as a business program manager in the worldwide apps domain in the Microsoft Services Delivery Organization. The team's primary focus is driving innovation to help customers thrive as they go through a digital transformation and adoption of the Azure cloud software. Evelyn has held a number of roles across Microsoft divisions, which include worldwide learning, U.S. services, field marketing, product planning at the Microsoft Redmond headquarters, and internationally localization management for the Microsoft and Visio. Evelyn holds a Master's of Business Administration from Smurfit Business College, University College Dublin, Ireland, she loves to learn continuously about learning, change management, and creativity. Welcome to the show, Evelyn. I'm so happy to have you. It is great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me to join this great podcast series. Sure. Um, so let's get started. So can you share with us a little bit about your career path in technology? Absolutely. Uh, so I started off by studying graphic design when I went to college. And when I got out of college, I got a job at a newspaper doing desktop publishing. And that translated then into a, a job at a different software company uh, managing localization of computer manuals and uh, help files. So that's sort of basically how I started out in this business. That's very neat. Um... So from graphic design to technology, that's, um, you know, a lot of people get into technology kind of accidental or uh, through a plan that, you know, they didn't see ahead of time. Was it like that for you? So it's, I guess it was more of, it's more accurate to say that the technology business was a great opportunity that I, that sort of presented itself to me uh, when I started out. I, I guess I wasn't aware of the kinds of jobs that I could possibly have um, you know, had looking back in my career now, I am, I would say I'm more interested in sort of people and, you know, communications and, you know, dealing with customers. At Microsoft, we talk about customer obsession. Um, so I like the idea of doing a great job so that customers feel like they're getting what they need and they're feeling good about doing business with Microsoft. I feel, you know, great sense of satisfaction from from doing the best we can do, you know, almost every day. I love that. I think the people and the technology part together really make a great combination, but you have to have those people skills and, um, you know, not be afraid of technology to kind of merge the two. So you've done such a great job in your career with that. Um, so when did you realize that you like working for a technology company or within technology? Did you have a spark or did something say, hey, I really like this? So yeah, so um, when I when I I was a bit intimidated 
you know, learning about computers uh, as I'm dating myself now uh, back, you know, initially. And I once I got proficient, I was using uh, desktop publishing software. Uh, it was uh, a company that, that was bought by Adobe subsequently, uh, the software I was using. Uh, you know, to build books. Uh, it was very satisfying, you know, going through the process of building these computer manuals that were eventually printed, you know, and then eventually, obviously, they went online. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was dealing with um, localization. I was working with uh, translation companies. And so I was doing project management as well. So there was lots of moving parts and every day, you know, was quite different. Uh, so I feel like that I kind of got hooked on uh, on technology at that point, and then uh, subsequently, I you know I came to Microsoft, and you know the pace of change uh, in the industry accelerated as well. So it's an exciting business to be in, as you, as you know. Yes, it's really true. It's so dynamic and changing so much, um, you know, on a daily basis to be part of that transformation and to take your organization through that transformation is exciting but it's also stressful <laughs> exactly exactly so um you know we we know that the technology industry is very much a male-dominated field um do you feel that women have the same opportunities as men in this industry um i suppose i would say sort of yes and no to answer the question really i feel that uh success ultimately depends on having you know great managers and mentors and as you progress through your career uh, you know ultimately having a leader that sponsors you um i think that uh you know i think with women i think that we feel like we have to have all the answers before we uh whether we apply for jobs you know we feel like we have to have all of the mm -hmm. the, the criteria we don't necessarily speak up at meetings, you know, if we don't have all the information, whereas, you know, guys are not daunted at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll speak, uh, with, you know, they'll speak very authoritatively, even if mm -hmm. it's just their opinion, you know. Um, and uh, and I think just say as a woman, I think I can learn from that. Uh, you know, when I was at school, um, I was more interested in and more had more aptitude for things like art or English. Uh, than science or math and I, you know, I have you know brothers who are twins uh, who are just older than me and they encouraged me to take advanced math uh, so that when I went to college I'd be able to choose what to focus on next even though I was sort of a bit myopic about the things I was good at and the things I wasn't as good at you know that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that um, I, I really benefited, uh, you know, from I'd say good male mentors, you know, whether it was my brothers or whether it was really good managers that I've had. And and I've had some really good uh, mentors, um, you know, male and female, uh, as well as, you know, having really strong uh, uh, managers. And I think being um, sort of in the minority in one way can be an advantage because it's tough being the only woman in the room, but then if you're the only one in the room, you know, maybe you, you know, you get a chance to just be yourself because you're not <laughs> being compared to somebody else, you mm -hmm. know, or having yeah. to compete with another um, uh, peer, you know. What great points. I think, you know, initially you mentioned that, you know, sometimes we don't have the confidence to just jump in and speak up and, you know, we really are focused. I, I, work with a lot of young girls in STEM and really trying to get their confidence to a level that this will not be an issue down the road when they're in the workforce. Um, so confidence, yes, definitely. And then I love that your brothers said you need to take advanced math because that, you know, that builds that confidence. You can talk with authority, you can feel um, at the same level and you wouldn't feel like you couldn't handle the same opportunities as your brothers. So I, I love that. Uh, very much um, what most, you know, what most women don't get that opportunity. So uh, I think you're pretty fortunate to have that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, as a woman in this field, have you seen some challenges and then what have you done to kind of overcome them? Does one or two challenges come to mind during your career? 
Uh, yes. Uh, so I think some of the challenges might be around sort of basic sort of gender differences, you know, like we talked about, you know, men speaking authoritatively, um, you know, in situations. Uh, and so I think that, um, you know, that I've been in situations where because I wasn't speaking maybe loud enough or forcefully enough or something that, uh, you know, men would start talking over you. And mm -hmm. I got a lot better at uh, saying I'm, you know, haven't finished or just to finish my thought or please let me finish, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, variations of that. Um, I think I've seen you in action with that. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have. I think I have. You do a great job. Um, and, and, you know, when I was younger, and I think, you know, getting older obviously helps as well, but I, I feel like when initially I felt like I was being aggressive if I continued talking because I was the one who had started speaking first, you know, so that was kind of tough. Um, the other thing is that, you know, sometimes uh, I had a manager who wasn't a great manager who um, would listen more to our male colleagues, you know, and so I was able to use that to my advantage so that I could keep doing work that was interesting. I would just go to my peer and I'd say, hey, I had this idea. What do you think? And then at a team meeting the next day, he wouldn't take credit for my idea, but he would throw it out and the manager would listen to him. And so then I got to keep doing work that was interesting. So. I think that um, that you have to be kind of courageous and, you know, sort of stand up for yourself, but not feel like you have to behave like a man. I, I think that women are still women at the end of the day, you know. Um, and then and another thing that was really nice, I had a colleague who was, uh, you know, kind of a, a guy who was naturally fairly abrasive, you know, and we were talking to a customer on the call and he cut the customer off a couple of times with more out of enthusiasm, you know, rather than mm -hmm. being rude, but it mm -hmm. came across to me sort of rough, you know, so I basically asked him if I could give him feedback and I was kind of nervous, you know, and he was, the guy was a bit intimidating, but um, afterwards he said that he was delighted that I cared enough to give the feedback and then he was super loyal and super helpful and, and a great ally after that. So I think that if you can kind of muster the, the, the courage uh, to stick up for yourself or do something that makes you nervous, you know, maybe that I, you know, like I've done things over the years that, you know, really pays off, um, you know, by just sort of being present and showing up and, and, you know, sticking up for yourself, I guess. Yeah. And jumping in with both feet, right. I mean, you just, you have that thought and you don't let that, uh, negative thought take over. You say, no, I can do this. I'm going to try it. And I jump in with both feet. And I do that quite a bit on lots of things that I've never done before. And um, the more you do it, the better you get at it. What I really love about what you said is um, you, you've really built up a network of even male mentors that have lifted you up, you know, and you've been able to uh, get them on your side so that uh, they are now working with you rather than against you. And I think that's so important because I remember our women in technology group that I was with, uh, that we were just starting out. And one of the people said, one of the women said, no, I think we should not let men into our group. I think it should only be women. And I said, absolutely not. We need, we need that support. We need that help. We need that mentorship for us to get to where we need to get to. And today, definitely the organization is male and female. And I think it, it's a great mix of, um, you know, people that have different opinions, that speak at different times and uh, have different levels of confidence. And all of that builds together to create a great community. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, you know, I believe women have some distinct advantages um, in this technology field. Do you feel that way? And if so, what do you where do you think we bring uh, advantages to the table when we are working on a team? That's a great question. So I think that um, I think that we have unique skills and perspectives that we need to value, you know, and I think that companies can make a huge mistake if they have sort of homogenous thinking when they're coming up with new products. Um, also, I think that uh, women kind of can be kind of add some sort of cohesiveness to the to teams. Um, I think that, you know, we have um, you know, emotional intelligence is something mm -hmm. that women have some slight advantage. And I mean, not to be disrespectful to men, you know, no, no, but I think yeah. that 
you know, the nurturing and the empathy and kind of being kind, I think that uh, I think that women are more willing to are more able to be uncomfortable and sort of deal with the mush of emotions and still move forward and, you know, kind of get things done without missing a beat, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I think it's really important personally, you know, to see the whole person that's in front of you, you know, whether it's in person or or on virtual meetings. I do a lot of virtual meetings. Um, I think that it's really worth investing in people, you know, and, you know, if somebody says their their child's graduating or they got a new dog or somebody's passed away in their family, that you're willing to kind of talk to them about it and just really see that whole person. And I think that, you know, makes work more enjoyable, but also it, you know, it builds bonds and we get more done as a large group, men and women together, you know. Yeah, absolutely right on, you know, where we bring that nurturing, the um, empathy, the emotional intelligence, and then collaboration, those types of things. We then offset, you know, our male counterparts to provide things that maybe they don't do more of we do a little bit more in this area they do more in the other area and it complements and creates a full solution and i love that so uh really great uh points about what we can bring to the table so you know again back in the male dominated field um women out there listening to this show are thinking you know this is great you know they're in technology and they've been in technology for a long time but what if I was considering a career in tech? In tech, what would be where could where could I start? What would be your advice to them? So I think the thing about technology in companies today is that I think technology is more ubiquitous than than it was, you know, maybe when I was starting out. Mm-hmm. And so I think most companies, no matter what industry they're in, are technology companies. You know, Microsoft talks about the digital transformation. So we believe that companies need to transform themselves, you know, to stay relevant, you know, regardless of of what business their primary business is. You know, they need to be able to leverage technology to make their customers, you know, experience better. Um, so, but, but that said, working for a pure technology company like Microsoft, um, I would I would totally recommend it. You know, I feel like it's exciting. You know, the pace is fast. Um, you know, you have a, a long and interesting career. And, you know, for me, like I've moved between divisions at the company mm-hmm. and, you know, you learn an awful lot by sort of osmosis, you know, mm-hmm. because everything is changing all the time, as, as you mentioned earlier. And, um, and I think also you just sort of you're meeting lots of smart people and, you know, they have <laughs> egos of different sizes. So you learn how to navigate, uh, you know, managing people and managing. Sometimes it's stressful. OK, but, you know, that you have lots of interesting problems to solve. And, you know, when you get results and you get projects done, uh, it's very exciting and you really can feel like you're having um a great impact on, you know, on the broader sort of ecosystem, depending on what your role is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also one of the things I love about Microsoft uh, is that, you know, a lot of uh, technology companies are strong on philanthropy and, you know, citizenship and, you know, being active in our own personal communities, you know. So um, one of the things that, uh, that, that, you know, Microsoft does is, you know, if I volunteer locally, they give money to my nonprofits, you know, so directly to them, you mm-hmm. know, per hour of my volunteer time. And if I give any dollars to, you know, the 503, the nonprofits, um, they match that as well. And, you know, to me, all of that together um, makes for, you know, lots of satisfaction. Um, I think that, you know, as a woman, uh, you have to be realistic about you know the challenges like that we've talked about but but i think things are you know some of the issues that are have been raised over the, the last few years are making companies more maybe protective of women and i don't know whether we need protecting or not but it may be i'm hoping that it'll just get easier to be yourself and to show up you know in a you know a more male uh, dominant environment uh, and you know be able to feel like you can contribute equally and all of that kind of thing i think there's some work to be done in some companies but um hopefully it's just getting better yeah i i'm seeing a trend about you know really talking about being your authentic self and that's so important because that's who you are and there's nobody else like you and that's an uh, advantage and you know 
um, a very strong piece of you that you're giving to your company and adding value. So, um, so I think being your authentic self is very important. And I'm hearing more and more trends of uh, encouraging organizations, encouraging uh, women and men to just be authentic and be you because you bring a lot to the table. So I'm hoping that'll continue. And then, um, you know, we keep talking about this dynamic changing world and um, obviously I'm in training and uh, you've been in worldwide learning for a while. How do you keep your skills current today? How do you stay on top of what's um, what's going on? What are some of the best practices you use? So I think that it's a, a a big juggling exercise because it's easy to feel like you don't have enough time in the day, but if you don't keep yourselves current or uh, have continuous learning, uh, you know, your career isn't going to flourish the way it will if you can, you know, be, you know, focus on learning every day. And so some, some simple things that I think, you know, you need to do is sort of stay current in the, the technology, the business you're in. So like I would scan the, technology headlines in, you know, different publications every day, um, you know, so you're aware of market trends or competitive mm -hmm. trends or trends in different industries. Um, it, it, one that you know a lot about is the Azure fundamentals training. Mm -hmm. So at Microsoft is very strong in getting all of us to up our game as far as our technical skills and certification are concerned. And I think that's really important from the perspective of um, whether you're planning to stay with the company you're in or if you're planning to, you know, to move, I think that uh, having a training and certification and expertise uh, will help you to get your next best, you know, the next job and, you know, get you, help get you well-paying jobs as well. And so I did uh, Azure Fundamentals training recently. And so it was a whole combination of stuff. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, of blended learning because I feel like it's a good way to marry doing stuff on demand at your own time and then you know talking to subject matter experts so what i did for my azure fundamentals training was initially i used some internal self-paced training mm -hmm. and you know it was good but i found it not as satisfying and so then i attended a virtual instructor-led training workshop and that was super valuable mm -hmm. there were about you know 20 of us uh, we were all on on the phone we were on the team's software and mm -hmm. it's a plug for microsoft software <laughs> and we were able to either ask questions verbally or we could im instant message the questions and mm -hmm. uh, if if somebody didn't understand you know the the teacher would sort of say okay time out let's discuss this you know complex topic or that type of thing and I got um, a, a gift uh, from the Microsoft Press team of the Azure Fundamentals exam reference. Uh, so yeah. so I'm, I was reading that as well. Um, and so ultimately, I think the the most efficient way to get trained, I think, really, is to do immersive training in a classroom where you turn off your laptop and you shut off your phone except for checking the messages at the break or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the absolute best uh, method. Um, some other uh, ways that I've had satisfying experiences were we had a mix of videos uh, with case studies and, you know, different readings and we were assigned other employees. So it was this example was a negotiation skills class that Microsoft uh, was running and it was most, mostly virtual, but we were assigned peers that we would actually have conference calls with to discuss the case studies and we had to do role play. So, you know, my role was to do you know, uh, position A in the negotiation. And mm -hmm. so if there was four of us, two of us were on the same side and two were on the other side. And it was very enjoyable because uh, it was forcing you to apply the skills. It wasn't just theoretical, you know, and you knew you had to prepare and do your videos because otherwise you wouldn't have been ready for your negotiation practice, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that was a good... Um, experience, but I I think my preference really is is to go in a classroom and shut the doors and you know get you know x amount of days of training all together. It, it that works really well. Yeah, I I love that, and you know you kind of mentioned a lot of different uh, types of training, and I think today a blended approach of several different things, maybe some reference materials that's more 
online, but then, you know, that immersive experience with your coworkers, with other people that you can ask questions, you can bounce thoughts around, talk to the instructor. All of those things are so critical to learning. But today we have to continuously be learning. So um, really that blended approach and the storytelling is so powerful. Once you hear a story that sticks in your head more than just reading, you know, um, reading about it. Um, so like you said, the case studies are another great way to learn how you can apply some of the skills. So great points. All right, Evelyn, in closing, so what three words would your friends use to describe you? Oh, wow, this is a tough question. <laughs> um, I I hope, I have to say, is I hope they would say that I was creative. Uh, I really enjoy problem solving and sharing ideas and brainstorming. Um, I think uh, collaborative, you know, I think that um, I like to work with people and, you know, motivate people to sort of take action and, you know, kind of, you know, be like a cheerleader along the way. And uh, clearly, as you can tell, I'm pretty chatty. I, uh, <laughs> I I think chatty is a word they would use. I am naturally very interested in other people's uh, stories. And, um, you know, sometimes when you remember something about a person, it benefits you because, you know, you say, hey, how did that work out? You know, something that they told you about, you know, their mm -hmm. child's new job or the puppy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's nice. It's, uh, but it's, it makes life more interesting as well, you know, and, uh, um, you know, it, it, I guess it makes it a way to sort of, you know, make sort of professional friendships that uh, can last your entire career as well. You know, when you know people a little, little bit beyond the work that you do together, you know, but uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Well, for thank the, you uh, so much. Opportunity. Yeah, I think you were spot on on your description of what people would say, because I've known you for a few <laughs> years and I would definitely say that you're creative you you care you care about others and that shows so much when you're actually talking you're listening you're understanding you're taking you know more about the other person into you than you talking about yourself and i think that that are you know those are great qualities so thank you it was great fun to have you on and we hope to have you on the show um again soon that would be lovely thank you very much thank you Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our Tech Career segment, I will be talking with Mike Hernan. Mike is an independent advisor to public sector chief information officers and senior managers on IT strategy, planning, and mission-critical initiatives. As a CIO, he is widely recognized as a leader in the strategic implementation of technology culminating in being cited by Computer World magazine as a super CIO, the only public sector CIO so honored. His post-CIO career has also won accolades, including a Hammer Award and the Meritorious Public Service Award for his work with civilian federal government and DOD, respectfully. Welcome to the show, Mike. I'm so excited to have you on. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. It's my pleasure. Great. Well, let's begin. Can you share with us a little bit about your career path in technology? Uh, sure. So I came to my uh, tech career, I, I think, somewhat uniquely. Mm -hmm. um, I 
became uh, acquainted with programming and computers in school as a way of learning uh, statistics. And that's where I picked up my programming expertise and familiarity with, with the hardware and software. And from I was not really planning a career in technology at, at all. Um, uh, I was really more interested in, in research, and my master's degree is in psychometrics. So you know, we had to program our own statistics just to show that we understood what the statistics we were doing. And then, of course, we're using, you know, mainframe statistical packages. Uh, so that's how I got, you know, my mainframe skills. So uh, it, was, it was a broad exposure to technology in general, um, but using it as, as a tool for, for research and uh, development purposes. So then what was that moment uh, when you realized that your research and statistics is going to now be combined with technology or move into the technology direction? What did that look like? So I was uh, just graduated from graduate school and I was uh, getting involved because I'm from Boston originally and, you know, politics is part of the culture there. <laughs> and I, w I was working on a campaign actually and that had uh, that had no computer equipment at, at all to speak of. And so I was able to learn my expertise and ordering some, some computers and doing some, you know, basic automation um, to support the, the campaign. And so that's when I started using technology for purposes that I wasn't originally thinking about, you know, when, when I learned it. Mm -hmm. From there, I went on to work for uh, city government in in Boston uh, for some 13 years, including three years as the CIO. Mm -hmm. And so that was my really my first real technology job working for the, the MIS department, uh, as we called it at the time. Very neat. Um, so, as a CIO, uh, did you loved work? Did you love working with technology, or was it challenging? Um, well, it was both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was challenging, but I but I loved it. That job remains the best job I ever had, by the way. Wow. Okay. CIO of a city, you know, your hometown. Um, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. The technology side of the job, you, you know, the challenge there was, of course, uh, you know, we had the big iron, you know, so the traditional data processing uh, operation, mm -hmm. um, as well as significant microcomputer, mini computer platforms performing different functions throughout the city. Um, so, you know, getting those, technologies and really cultures, right? So, you know, mainframe programmer uh, is, is sort of, that's a different culture than somebody programming on a, on a PC. Mm -hmm. um, just the way you approach the job and the way, uh, you know, development is, is, uh, is executed is significantly different. Um, and then as part of that job also had um, the cable TV franchise. So we had oversight over that because some mm -hmm. of the city thing was provided by the cable TV franchise. So I also had uh, oversight over the city's, um, our own cable TV channels. So a little different spin on technology. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the really, the good part of the job was, again, taking a look at this technology and, you know, for, from a CIO standpoint, you know, I don't think the job's about the technology. You know, it's about using the technology to support the overall goals of the organization, right? Right. And so for the city, I mean, I spent a lot of time focused on uh, education and public safety 
and lastly, economic development and seeing how we can leverage technology to sort of uh, support the goals of, of the city, making it a successful city where people want to live and work. Sure. So uh, you were in that role for about three years, and then you moved on. Tell us a little bit about your path after that. So I moved down here to Washington, D.C., and um, I spent some time working for the nation's capital, District mm -hmm. of Columbia government, where I created the office of the chief technology officer for mm -hmm. D.C. government. And spent a little bit of time in a, a technology-related uh, nonprofit, uh, working with federal government CIOs and members of Congress on sort of educating them on Internet 2 and other advanced technologies. But, you know, since most of the last 18 years or so has been uh, independent consulting, mostly for public sector agencies, uh, with a little bit with um, commercial clients who have um, a presence in the public sector arena. So that consulting um, piece that you're doing is very, very exciting because you learn so much from different organizations or agencies that you're working with um, constantly about how technology is evolving and uh, what are the best recommendations for those agencies. Um, so, you know, things change so fast in our industry and uh, job markets are very competitive. Um, huge demand for tech skills. So what do you do to set yourself apart from other candidates, especially being in this consulting role? So I, you know, I don't sell myself as a technologist. I sell myself as a sort of a former CIO helping current CIOs, right? So mm. It's taking more of a strategic approach um, to the position and to the agency. And you know, I've worked with a variety of different agencies with vastly different missions, right? <laughs> so right. Um, you know, from DOD to the Appalachian Regional Commission, I mean, those are some, some really different <laughs> types of organizations. Um, so I've, I've been able to help a small agency like the Appalachian Regional Commission promote wireless broadband in underserved communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've worked with, with DOD, for example, in, in enhancing wireless uh, communications capabilities while maintaining the security of you know, DOD information. Mm -hmm. Different skill set than than you know getting commun uh, community broadband out there. Right. Um, so that's I mean that's that's kind of what I do is sort of operate as a you know a trusted advisor to a CIO mm -hmm. and identify opportunities or help them implement opportunities that they've already identified and. and mostly emerging technologies and how it's going to help their mission uh, and or save money. That's great. That's great. What an asset you are to those CIOs. Um, so what are your thoughts on certification? You know, as we build skills, we're continuing to try to bridge that skill gap. Um, and we, you know, think certification is important, but uh, what are some of your thoughts and have you found it valuable in the tech industry as you've been working uh, with CIOs and consultants? So I think it depends on the requirements of the, of the job or the mm -hmm. engagement. Um, I think certain areas you know, such as cybersecurity have gotten so complex and networking has gotten so complex that I think certification makes sense in those areas. Mm -hmm. In other areas, you know, I personally got my idle certification and, and a COVID certification. And at that sort of more strategic level, 
I, you know, I can't say I personally get a lot of value out of those certifications other than saying I have them. Mm-hmm. But I certainly think for uh, the more technical the job, uh, the job is the certification makes more sense for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, gives that validity that you have those skill sets, and you know we find that in the industry, um, it's it's not always saying that you have the real world experience, but it does say that you you know you have the skill set to do that particular technology. So I think you're right with, you know, they're real technical jobs. Those are the ones that um, it's valuable to have them. So tell me a little bit about how you stay relevant with technology today since it's moving so fast. So, you know, my own experience with CIO and working with CIOs, you know, nobody wants to get blindsided, right? Yeah. So, um, and I'm working with one agency now, which shall go unnamed. But mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, and I think a lot of CEOs are facing the same problem. They get um, they get spun up by industry hype, right? And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing now is the, what's going on in 5G. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've, I've I've talked to some of the providers and I said, you know, you guys are spinning up the CIOs out there and on 5G for solutions that don't really exist today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, part of it, you know, so I've been doing deep dive into 5G because that's sort of, you know, sort of has risen up to sort of be a CIO priority. Um, so I kind of pick and choose what I need to, what's relevant to me and my clients, um, you know, nobody can know everything about everything these days, right? Right. And one of the things you learn as a CIO or the CIO consultant is you need to pick and choose and what's the strategic emerging technologies you need to get up to speed on. And, you know, I don't need to know the latest, you know, web development software, things like that. I I sort of focus on you know, what has more strategic impact to the organization. And so that's that, certainly 5G is one today, um, artificial intelligence, um, cloud computing, things like that. Uh, you know, nothing surprising. The things, the things that make, you know, the things that are being pitched by industry as making an impression on the CIOs. Right. So understanding your client and then finding the things that are relevant to them is what you stay up on, which is so smart because there's so much out there and to keep up with everything is next to impossible. And you'll be, you know, you really will be, you know, jack of all trades and master of none. (laughs) And so um, that's a really smart way to do that. Um, So you know, in your vision, where do you see technology and yourself in like five years or 10 years? So I think what's been really interesting recently is a lot of the discussion around technology has been, is this getting out of control? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's Silicon Valley getting out of control. Um, I think that discussion will be moving forward side by side with, with technology itself in the next five years or so. Um, I mean, are we getting, are we giving too much control um, to Silicon Valley? Um, mm-hmm. what, what are the potential implications of joining uh, 5G technologies with facial recognition with artificial intelligence, for example. Mm-hmm. There's potential real societal benefits, but also civil liberty stress um, coming through that type of possible uh, collision of technologies. So who makes those decisions as to what um, what gets deployed, and is there a need for more regulation on the industry? Um, 
given that uh, you know self-regulation in some cases, what shall we say, has proven to be insufficient. Um, I think that is going to be a lot of discussion in the next five years as we see, you know, AI, facial recognition, uh, and of course, 5G is really in its uh, infancy right now. But so five years from now, you know, they say it will be ubiquitous. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some challenges there. There's some spectrum challenges with 5G, for example, particularly in the United States. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the ideal frequencies um, are assigned to the government and DOD, for example. You know, using them for important functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not the case overseas. So, um, yeah, I, I think. The emerging technologies will continue to emerge and I, I, because I think right now what's getting mind share um, is really in its infancy and, and not at all widely deployed. So I think you'll see increasing deployment while that other discussion goes on. It's like, well, who's, who's going to control this? Yeah, agreed. I think um, a lot of data privacy is going to be um pretty top of mind right because of all of these things that you talked about with ai and facial recognition and cloud offerings and 5g um data is at your fingertips everywhere and it's just almost impossible to get away from it so data privacy and some more laws around that i think will be something that will be top of mind as well yeah, I agree totally. Yep. All right. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, when do you think 5G is going to be out? When do you think it's going to be out and functional? So I, I think, and particularly in the United States, this uh, spectrum issue has got to be figured out. And, you know, there are research and analysis going on now as to whether the government could share some of the government spectrum, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is much better for, the, for 5G propagation properties than a lot of the spectrum that's currently being used. Um, so they would be easier to roll it out in lower frequencies. Um, but g- given the the investment that needs to go into it and just the number of access points. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm looking at, again at one of my old clients and, you know, are we going to get 5G into, you know, small communities in Appalachia in five years? That, that might be tough. Is it going to mm-hmm. be in the big uh, yeah, sure, because they can make that uh, financial argument. Um, but, you know, it seems like the smaller communities are always playing catch-up, and I don't think that's going to change in the, in, in the 5G world. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, well, this has been so interesting, our conversation. So I've got one last question for you. So if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners on going into a technology career, what would that look like? What would that be? Well, um, again, the mis- it, it, it depends what you want to do in, in your career. If you, if you want to be a technical person, if that's your love where you see yourself, then, you know, by all means, you know, get super smart in, you know, that, that vertical. Um, myself, I, I find a, a broader, more strategic approach uh, to it to be more important. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the the technology does not exist for technology's sake. It exists for society's sake to, to provide some benefit. And uh, particularly, you know, most of my work has been public sector related. So what are, what are the good public, public sector goals um, 
education, public safety, economic development, how can technology help society as we go become better um, under the you know the government governance structures we have in place uh, uh, in the country. So I just I just find that more interesting than just you know being deep in the code, but uh, right. That's, <laughs> that's great advice. So really to think about, do you want to be strategic? Do you want to be technical in the trenches? And both are right, if that's the right thing for you. And then just dive in and get super smart at um, what you're looking to accomplish. Because there's, you know, the sky is the limit pretty much in technology. There's so many ways you can go. And it's definitely a great career to seek. So great advice. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Jennifer. My pleasure. And now an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum, on-demand courses, for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.